Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us this week on My Destiny. I'm so excited to have someone that I have been in the works with getting on our show for many months, many moons you may say. Um, the stories are very fresh and beautiful and as you've noticed on their picture, we have Brianna Stone with us tonight. How are you, Brianna? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. Yes, me too. Your story is amazing and your family is even more beautiful. Um, I'm like, I'm just stoked to have you. So thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Of course. So I kind of introduced you, but I want to know like what makes Brianna Stone tick? Like, what do you like to do? How'd you meet your husband? Just tell us about your family and then we'll get into the adoption story. Okay, so um, my name is Brianna Stone. I'm 25 years old. Um, my husband and I live in Harriman, Utah right now. We have, will be married six years next month. We met um, when we were doing our undergraduate degrees at BYU-Idaho um, and got, got married up there. He is currently in medical school. He is a third year student, will be a fourth year student um, this coming summer, this July. So we've been in medical school for three years now. We've got one more year and then a long residency road ahead of us. But um, he's he's the best. He's the best husband, the best dad. But um, we've got two little girls. Nora turned two this week and Sophie is eight months. They um, were both private adoptions here in Utah. So a um, little bit about me. I love to read. I love listening to podcasts and audiobooks. I am. I love to exercise, but I'm a walker. <laughs> I'm kind of a grandma walker. I love to walk, but um, that's just kind of, that's how I keep my hope my mental health in check um, is being outside and walking. And then I also own a little um, hair bow business for little girls. When Sophie was born, I needed something that I could work on um, when my husband was at the hospital late at night. So I started a little hair bow business that I love doing. Um, and that keeps me busy at, at night when my kids go to bed and um, my husband's at the hospital taking care of people. So it's a little bit about us and our family. How'd you get into making bows? So I, we, we had like a wedding or something was happening that I needed my girls to have matching bows for, or I wanted my girls to have matching bows and I couldn't find anything that I really liked. And so I just went to the, to the fabric store and found some fabric that I loved and figured it out and loved it and gave some to my friends who were having baby girls and some friends who were adopting baby girls and just um just needed something to work uh with my hands on you know instead of reading a book or just listening to something just working with my hands i didn't know how much i needed that and and wanted that so i love it sweet so you mentioned that you and your husband met at byu idaho i went there as well byu i do worked for you what did i do wrong <laughs> i went into college determined to not get married and oh, in high school, everyone was like, she's going to be the first one to get married. I was just like, absolutely not. No, thank <laughs> you. And I went into college having a missionary, just like very put myself off the market. And then I met Jeremy one day and I'm not kidding you. I saw him and said, I'm going to marry that guy. And oh. sure enough, like a year and a half later, we were engaged. 
So was it at the gardens or in the crossroads? It was in the crossroads. I can't oh. believe you're saying that. <laughs> oh, and the best part was, was I was dating one of his friends and I saw him while I was dating one of his, well, not dating, you know, like the BYU Idaho, like you're hanging out yeah, on a date whatever. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what, what, but yeah, that was a BYU I do story. But hey, we did both get our degrees and are both, that's, you know, doing our thing. <laughs> that's also more than I can say. So. Okay, well, you're getting there. For sure. Yeah, you're close. You're getting there. Yeah, hopefully. Awesome. So um, what is your husband specializing in with his medicine degree? That's a really good question. This is the year that you decide that. Um, And he's got a really good idea. He's planning right now on interventional radiology. He also loves anesthesia. Um, So those are his top two right now. I think he's going to try and match into radiology, though, this time next year. So we'll see. Well, lots of prayers crossing our fingers. Absolutely. I'll be praying for you guys. That's super cool. Long road. Long road. Yes. Another 10 years. So it's good. It's a good deal. I I can't even like fathom that I won't finish school within the next like two years. It's just like, yeah, it it's yeah. a long road. But you know what? It's so worth it, and he loves it, and I'm That's just good. along for the ride. So it's great. <laughs> You're like, I'm not the one going to school. It's fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm just the CEO of our family, and we'll raise our kids. But no, I mean, he really is around, and he's great. He's the best. So it's it's. It is a long road, but it will be so worth it. So absolutely makes me so happy. Yeah. So what, um, what circumstances brought you to considering adoption and, and kind of just start from the beginning? Okay. Um, when Jeremy and I got married a few weeks after we got married, um, we went to Guatemala. So he served his mission for the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints there. And um, he was there for two years. And when we got married, we went back with his family, his his parents and his a couple of his brothers took me and we went for um, a few weeks. And while we were there, we met and worked with so many children and moms um, and families who were dealing with malnutrition and poverty. And um, we were there to visit, We were, but we were also there to try and do some good for these families that he had taught. Um, and I just had a really strong feeling while we were there. There was one girl in particular who we were taking to the hospital there because she was dying of malnutrition and some other issues. And, um, I felt so strongly. I said, Jeremy, you know, we've got to come back here and we've got, we've got to adopt from here. So adoption was on our hearts. Um, when we were dating and when we got married, um, adoption has touched his family. It's touched my family. And so we knew that we would like to adopt and we were hoping to adopt from Guatemala. Um, and so we kind of left it at that. And then, um, a little while after we got married, I had some health issues when I was younger that, um, made it apparent to us that it would be difficult for me to get pregnant. We obviously didn't know that because we didn't know what was coming um, for us, but we knew that it would probably be challenging to get pregnant. And so um, when we wanted to start our family, we, um, I just got pregnant very quickly. And 
kept getting pregnant very quickly and I just could not hold on to her pregnancy. I lost um, many babies and many pregnancies between four to 13 weeks and just could not, um, my body just wasn't, wasn't able to carry those babies. And so as we were dealing with, um, infant loss and, um, infertility and things like that, we thought, okay, well, why don't we look into adopting from, from Guatemala? Let's just see, let's just see what, what, what we can find. We found that it was closed. And so we, we knew that that wasn't an option. That country is, and I think is, or was and still is closed, I think, um, to adopt from. And so we thought, okay, well, we're going to try this doctor and these different things and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And the loss has just continued. And so, um, one of our really good friends, Kara and Christian Pepper were, um, we were talking with them and they were thinking of adopting and we were thinking of adopting and they had decided to go the private route. So we were kind of picking their brain and trying, trying to get educated and, um, long story short, ended up deciding to, um, adopt from here in the States and try and go with a private match. Um, and so that's kind of what led up to that. Um, with our first, with Nora, um, there were so many miracles that happened, but one of the coolest miracles was that when we met her birth family, her birth mom was adopted from Guatemala. So she's full Guatemalan. So Nora is biracial. She's half Guatemalan and half Caucasian. And, um, I remember meeting her family. And when we learned that it, and I still, uh, I still get that knot in my throat, just knowing that that was, um, the right thing for us and the right thing for her and her family. So that, that was the beginning of, of it all. That is so cool. So obviously Kara influenced your decision to go privately, um, mm-hmm. kind of go through the steps. What was it like as a, I mean, I guess you, you had like a mentor in the process. Was there any yeah. difficult steps? for you guys what was the weight look like just kind of go through a a little bit of the the details of the adoption um the the good and the bad i guess yeah okay so kara and i were just friends our husbands were best friends all growing up and so we became friends and we were kind of doing the whole thing together i think they were home study approved maybe a week or a few months ahead of us and so we did a adoption fundraiser together and we just kind of were each other's friends through the whole thing. She introduced me to a lot of adoptive moms, a lot of adoptees, a lot of birth moms, um, which really helped me learn and grow and um, get as educated as I could be. Um, we worked with Utah Adoption Specialists and they helped us with our home study, um, with all of the prep work um, that goes with that, as well as um, our casework with counseling for me and Jeremy and our birth family, um, which to me was so important um, to have unlimited counseling for birth mom and birth um, grandparents and um, her, Nora's birth family is and was very um, involved. And so we we had and have great, great relationships with them, but um, I loved that Utah Adoption Specialist took really good care of them. So um, 
with that, we started the process. Let me think. We started the process and from the time we announced to the world that we were adopting to the time that we matched with Nora's family, I think was about six months. So very quick, in my opinion, <laughs> in the adoption world. Um, however, she was only a few months pregnant at the time. She was at the very beginning of her pregnancy and um, they had already decided um, this, this birth mom um, or expectant mom at the time had already decided to make an adoption plan. And so we were with her um, the entire, the entire pregnancy and got to go to a couple of appointments and things with her. Um, and so during that six months, we had quite a few, you know, the scammers and all of the other um, things that come along with putting your family out there in a really public way and um, being very vulnerable and putting, um, basically selling yourself online to um, find a expectant family making an adoption plan. And that, um, I look back on that and see how exhausting and hard that was. And we said after Nora was placed that we would never do a private match again. And then, as time went on, we were like, okay, we could do a private match again. I think, I think though, there is um, one thing that we don't talk about a lot is there's a lot of trauma on both sides of the adoption triad here that um, goes untalked about with with private matches. And private matches are that was our choice for a few different reasons. It was a financial choice for us. And I also interviewed many, many agencies and none of them just felt right. And so we just jumped in with two feet with a private match and it was great. And I'm so glad that we did it. And I'm so glad that we did it that way. I just look back and think, man, that was really hard. <laughs> um, and then when Nora was placed with us, we were able to be her caregivers from the time of birth to placement and then from placement on. Um, our birth mom's situation was unique in the sense that we um, cared for Nora right at birth on. So it was a really special thing. Um, and they're, they're just family. Her, her family is our family. So... That's amazing. So um, you mentioned that looking back, it was very hard and difficult and daunting, discouraging. There are a lot of couples who are facing um, a difficult decision between going private or, or going agency, and they may struggle very heavily with the finances. And so for someone looking back saying it was very difficult, where were you at at the beginning of the process? And what advice do you have for those who are considering adopting privately? That's a good question. At the beginning of the process, I was hyped. I was like, we can do this. Like, no, like we're absolutely going to do this. We're going to make this happen. Um, and it wasn't so much the scammers that were discouraging. I think, um, it is a different experience when you have a biological child that is such a personal 
thing to start your family. It's such a personal thing to announce to your friends or to tell your spouse that you're pregnant or to tell your friends, oh, we're having a boy or a girl. You know, that's an experience that adoptive couples don't have. Um, And our experience is, is from the time that we decide that we want to have a family and we want to private match, we tell the entire world. And we don't just tell the entire world, we shout it from the rooftop and tell every single person that we meet that, hey, we are trying to adopt and we're doing a private match. Can you help us spread the word? Um, And so right from the get-go in a very emotional and very um, difficult um, process, your family is put on display in a very public way. And that was just, that was just hard for me because your failures are public. Your successes are public and, um, people are constantly asking you, Hey, how are things going? And then when you are matched, you don't talk about it because you know that that expectant mom has every right to change your mind. So you're not going to share with anyone, just all these emotions and all these things. So looking back, knowing what I know now, we would we would likely private match but we would probably not tell anyone <laughs> we have some friends that um used a consultant and they loved that process it was a little bit more personal and um less public because they didn't have to spread the word on social media you know to make it happen for them they used a consultant and then were able to surprise their families you know with hey we're going to adopt this new baby and so um the private match is something that i am so grateful for and we did private match again with sophie just in a different way um but making that decision between agency and private Honestly, my biggest piece of advice is get very educated on both, whether that's talking with a million agencies or consultants or friends, whoever you know, get as much education as you can and then go with your gut. Because my gut was do not use that agency. It's, you know, and that and that was it. And so, um, yeah, I would just say just go with your gut and go in with two feet and jump in and do the best that you can. And if you need to pivot later, pivot later and don't worry about what anyone else has to say about making that change. In the area in the era of social media, especially in adoption matches and connections, what happens mm-hmm. when you when you have a potential match? Like you have discussed this with the birth mom and or the expectant mother and made a potential plan do you go quiet do you keep advertising yourself to make sure that it's not like everything seems okay or or that's tricky match what what happens i've always wondered so i that's a personal choice ethically in my opinion i do not think you should be announcing that match i think match Posting and telling the world that you've matched is assuming that that adoption is going to happen. And I don't think that that's fair. I don't think that that's fair to that expectant mom to say, hey, we've told all of our friends and family that we're going to adopt our baby. And that doesn't give her room to change her mind, you know, because she has every right to change her mind. That's not your baby. Um, And so for us, when we did have the match with Nora's birth family, um, we continued to advertise or yeah 
advertise ourselves, but in a, like we, like we did paid ads and we did that on Facebook and Instagram, we turned those off. So we just kind of dialed things down. We didn't announce that we were matched. We didn't say anything to anyone, but like our parents and our siblings. Um, and so we just kind of dialed it down, but made sure that we were staying consistent, knowing full well that that might, um, end up being a, disrupted match um, and not happen and not go through, um, but also knowing full well that we needed to respect and keep the privacy of this this match with this expectant family. So it's tricky. That's cool. I have some questions about that specific adoption, but I kind of think I'll save them for after the story so we can compare the differences and the similarities in a second. So tell me or tell our audience what led you guys to Sophie and how did you guys get here today? Because this is very fresh. She's only eight months old. Yes. Oh, Sophie. Um, I just get emotional even thinking about it because it is so fresh. Um, we did not expect Sophie. Sophie came as a surprise. So... Um, we were moving from a uh, medical school and we had planned this last summer, we had planned, um, to update our home study because our home study was going to be, um, expired in July. And so we knew that we wanted to up update our home study this summer or this last summer and thought, okay, let's get it updated. And then we'll kind of see where we're at financially with medical school. We were selling our house, all of these different things. So we thought, okay, we're going to update in July and we'll see how things go. So we, we move up and I hadn't called Utah adoption specialists yet. I just was trying to get us moved in and, and settled into our home. And I, um, one of my mom friends that is also in the adoption world, she texted me and just said, Hey, there's this, um, there's this situation with a baby girl. And, um, I was wondering if you were interested. Um, it wasn't the right timing, the right fit for them. And, um, I say yes to, Hey, are you interested to every single person that reaches out to us? Because I can help them in some way, whether they place with us or not, I can help them find another family or give them some resources to help. So I always just say yes. And I just said, yeah, sure. Send her my info. Half the time they never message me anyway. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Just send me your info or send her my info. And five minutes later, this cute expectant mom messages me and just says, Hey, so-and-so told me about you. And, um, I would love to meet you guys. I'm due in eight weeks. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, like let's talk. <laughs> and knowing full well that we wanted to hopefully announce again that we um, were going to adopt. We were looking into agencies and facilitators. Again, we hadn't made a decision yet on what we were going to do, but um, I just kind of had a feeling about her. She was, um, she was immediately a friend in a way that I don't really know how to explain, but we just connected really easily and really quickly. And she was not only a friend, but I felt this pull to her as like a sister. Um, I just, as soon as I started talking to her, I was like, I just, I just need to know her. Like, even if we don't adopt this baby, or even if she chooses not to place, I just need to know her. So we talked and talked for 
a week or two. And then she's like, well, do you, do you want to meet? And Jerry and I were just like, yeah, we, we, we want to meet knowing there were, um, lots of things about Sophie's situation that we were really unsure of, um, legal things, things about, um, her, her history and some health concerns that Sophie may had, may have had. And so we, we just didn't really know. Um, but we, we met with her and, um, we, as soon as I saw her and as soon as I looked her in the eyes, I knew that she was going to be a part of my life forever. And that feeling and that moment has carried me through Sophie's placement and adoption process because it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I just, we just, we just had an instant an instant bond with her. Um, and then after that, I went to all of her appointments with her and got her all ready and set up to, to have baby girl and, um, was able to be in, in the delivery room with her, um, which was the most incredible experience. One of my biggest fears as, um, a woman and as a mom was I was never going to be part of a live birth. I was never going to see that and I was never going to experience that. So she was so gracious and so kind to invite me and I was able to do that and be a part of that with her, which was so incredible. And then, um, placement happened a few days after that. And, um, I say that it was the hardest thing that I've ever experienced because, um, Sophie's mom went back and forth a lot. And it wasn't that her back and forth was hard on me. It was that I just love Sophie's birth mom as if she was my own, like my own daughter or my sister or my best friend and seeing that turmoil and that um, life-changing decision you know, that she had to go through an experience and she had to do all of it on her own. She didn't have any support and it was just me. And it's hard to be that person, um, who is going to, um, give so much joy, but also parent her baby, you know? So it was difficult. There was a lot of emotional, um, and a lot of mental health challenges on both sides after that placement. And, um, it has been a, a long road, a very short road. I mean, she's only eight months, but we've come so far, um, since then. And she, and she's exactly what I needed. Um, at that time, in fact, a few months beforehand, we had lost a pregnancy, um, that, um, was a pretty, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? It was a pretty devastating and a horrific loss. And just a few weeks later, um, we matched with, with Soph. And so she came right when, right when I needed her. That's amazing. <clears throat> um, so out of, so I'm adopted. I don't know if you know that, but out of yeah. me and my three yeah. siblings, yeah. Out of me and my three siblings, two of us have very open adoptions and the other two who are biological half siblings are pretty are partially open but pretty closed and so yeah. you have two daughters who are both pretty open i'm assuming with their background and your background with a private adoption but no two yeah. adoptions and open relationships are the same what have you 
Can you explain each of those situations and how you have navigated having um, good boundaries, but open doors and um, how, how you establish those re- relationships and maintain them healthily? Yeah, that is um, a work in progress. <laughs> I feel like I'm still learning and still figuring that out. I'm going to lots of counseling and therapy on on both both birth families and and me and adoptive parents and Jeremy, my husband. Um, so both both adoptions are open. I I would say open to partially open. Those relationships ebb and flow. Um, and that's something I think that's the biggest lesson that I have learned is that they change and will continue to change. It won't ever be the same um, between the girls, but also how it is now, it will be different as time goes on. So Nora's um, birth mom and birth family are involved in the sense that we send birthday gifts and Mother's Day gifts, and we have each other's phone numbers and we text, we have each other on social media, we mark a polo. Um, but there are definitely a lot of times where it is silent on their side. I'm very much like, look what she did say, texting videos and pictures. And um, I also have to take a step back and remember that um, if they don't respond or or if it's not a good time for them, it's it's okay. And, and it's, and it's something that, um, that ebbs and flows. Sometimes there's a lot of, a lot of communication and sometimes there's not. And that's very similar with Sophie's, um, birth mom. Sometimes there's a lot of communication and sometimes there's, there's, it's crickets and that's okay. It's all okay. Um, with Sophie's, um, birth mom, we've seen her a few times since placement, which we haven't, we've, we've not really seen Nora's birth family since placement. So there was a little bit more at the beginning with Sophie, which I loved. Um, and she loved that also, uh, threw me into figuring out boundaries and learning how to have a relationship like that. Um, and learning that I can no longer, I, I played a mother and sister role with Sophie's birth mom for those eight weeks. And then after Sophie was placed, that role had to change some. So that was, um, that was challenging. And that was something that we had to both go and grow through separately, but also together because we're tied, we're, we're tied together by sweet Sophie, you know? And so, um, creating those boundaries though was something that, um, is difficult, but is so necessary. And, um, the biggest thing for me is just clear, open communication in the sense of what I was feeling, I was sharing and what she was feeling, she was also sharing. So it wasn't so much that one of us was sharing and the other wasn't. We both, and that's one thing that I love about Sophie's birth mom is she speaks her mind and is one strong lady and um, is smart and kind and is willing to share those things with me. And I think that that's, that's how we've created that that healthy boundary. But like I said, right now, we don't have a lot of contact, but I, I know for a fact that that will ebb and flow as time goes on. I love the phrase ebb and flow because that's what adoption is. Um, mm-hmm. especially with 
a lot of things such as emotional and mental health on on every corner of the adoption triad um, you're experiencing grief and trauma and pain and at the exact same time you've never been as happy and excited mm -hmm. and hyped about life as possible so um, you mentioned that you have received some counseling or therapy. At what point did you know that that was a good idea for you? And how would you help others to overcome that um, stigma or barrier that so many people are facing when thinking about receiving counseling? That is such a good question. and something that I talk about often with people uh, that are adopting and also just anyone. I think to be quite honest, everyone and everyone needs to go at some point in their life. I started going before we adopted Nora. So um, we were in the thick of um, some losses that we had. Um, and I started going personally by myself before Jeremy. Um, and then as time went on, I thought, you know what, Jerem, we need to go together. We, we had some things in our marriage that we wanted to work on too. And so we started going together. Um, and we, we used to go once or twice a week and now we go once a month. And maybe that's personal to share. I just don't think it is. I don't think it's something that I want to hide. I don't want to hide that from my kids. I don't want to hide that from our friends and our family because going and really dealing with these things instead of just saying that, oh, I'm okay, I'm fine, I had a really hard year or a really hard week or a really hard day and I had a really low point, but I'm okay. You know, I think that is so unhealthy. And in the long run, it's really gonna come back and it's gonna bite you in every relationship that you have. Um, and so for me, I'm very much just like, get yourself to counseling, get yourself to therapy. And who cares what anyone else has to say about that? That's just my opinion because I think everyone needs to go. And so overcoming that though, um, for me was very much letting go of the, I'm okay. It's okay. Everything is fine. Um, thought, thought process and, um, I am so glad that I went because and started going because I would not be the mom that I am right now to my girls. And I continue to go now because it keeps me in check. It keeps me in line and gives me the tools to be the best mom and the best wife that I can be. That's amazing. So <clears throat> maybe I should go to counseling, but yes, you uh, should. Everyone should. Um, so a part of almost every adoptive couple's um, adoption journey, I wouldn't say mm -hmm. all of them, a lot or most, is some sort of fertility so or infertility issue. Um, yeah. Was that a difficult process for you and your husband to transition from trying to have biological children to choosing adoption? Or, or is it still on the table if it allows? Or are you guys um, dedicated to like, we're adopting, you know? Okay. <laughs> That's, that's a good question. I actually get that question quite often of if we're going to continue to try to have biological child, biological children. Um, it is, as of right now, it's a huge risk for me to get pregnant. Um, with this, with the last loss I had, I um, was in emergency surgery within a couple of hours and um, it got kind of scary for a minute there. And for me, I want to be around for my kids and having a pregnancy um, 
I don't want to go as far to say it will risk my life, but it will put me in a place that I don't want to be as health-wise. It's risky. It's risky for me, and it's risky for me to go through the same thing that I did before and be in bed for 12 weeks after, you know, just recovering. Um, And so health-wise for us, it's not really on the table. Um, Having that mindset switch of having biological children versus having adopted children, to me, it's not a instead of. It's in addition to because I count all of my previous losses as mine, as my kids. And in my faith, I believe that I will be able to see those those, those spirits and those children that I created again. Um, and so I, I have them and I have quite a few of them in heaven and I do not want very many children. And so I've got lots in heaven that I know that I'm going to take care of and I've got two down here. That's just kind of my mindset though, is that they're, they're mine and they're mine forever and i have a responsibility for them in the next life and that's that's my faith and that's what i believe um so to me it was never instead of it just was in addition to and um having that mindset change and dealing with the grief of you know my body is not working how it was meant to work and um dealing with multiple losses of pregnancies that were very early pregnancies, but also some that were late pregnancies is, is challenging. Um, and I just, I guess I just view it as they're all mine. They're all my kids. And, um, I know that I'm going to see him again. And I know that all of my kids in heaven sent Nora and Sophie to me and prepped them and said, you better know what you're getting into with Brianna and Jeremy, you know, and I know that they prepped them to be here. And so that's just how we view it. That is so precious. I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's very tender. Um, (laughs) They say that a picture is worth a thousand words, but an adoption is worth a thousand stories and emotions. And you have two adoptions in the last two-ish years. Yeah. what is some final advice that you would like to give to hopeful adoptive parents or even adoptive parents that may be struggling with some situations that they may be in? Um, advice to hopeful adoptive parents. My advice is always get as much education as you can. If you are in Utah, Utah Adoption Specialist um, has a I think it's twice a year, they have a two-day intensive where it's adoption education on from adoptees, adoptive parents, and birth families and birth parents. And that was something that is priceless to me and I hope to continue to go to as an adoptive parent to learn and grow, um, not just when I adopted my girls, but forever. So for adoptive parents that are hoping to adopt, I would say education, education, education. Podcasts like this, books. In fact, I have a highlight bubble on my Instagram filled with adoption language, books, podcasts, resources, and things that will get you as educated as you can to be able to make the best choices possible, whether that's a potential match or 
um, whether honestly, if adoption is right for you or not. So that would be my advice to them. My advice to anyone that is dealing with something right now with your match or with your adopted child or anything else in adoption, I would say to talk about it, to reach out to somebody that you know and love and trust, or heck, reach out to me. I get people messaging me all the time of, hey, I have been feeling really jealous of our birth family lately. How did you deal with that? And I'm very, very open about all of the emotions and things that go with adoption. And I am happy to talk to you about it. And I would love to hear your story, but that is my biggest piece of advice is don't hold that in. Don't tell yourself that it's okay. And that will pass because it will pass, but you want to, you want to feel those feelings and move through, move through those emotions instead of skipping over those emotions. Because as a parent, it's your responsibility to have a healthy relationship with your child. And that's, that's one way to do it. So amazing. Thank you so much. You're, you're incredible. I really look up to you and I love how much experience you have. You're way wiser beyond all of your 25 years. Um, You're so kind. Thank you. (laughs) So probably one of my favorite parts of the show, it may seem a little mundane for you because you're like, I'm beating a dead horse. But my favorite thing is at the end of every episode, I ask um, the guests to share a brief testimonial or summary of how adoption has blessed their life. Wow. Okay. How adoption has blessed my life. Um, adoption gave me my girls <laughs> and adoption gave me, um, empathy, the gift of empathy, the gift of learning selfless love. Um, not from myself, but from our birth families. It gave me the gift of seeing people, um, not just our birth families, but I try now to see every person that I meet for who they are as a child of God instead of their circumstance. It gave me the gift of really listening and learning to listen and learning to understand and hear people's stories and seeing them for who they are instead of for what their circumstance may be. Um, and it just, it, it, it gave me, it gave me a family and something, and that's something that I couldn't do for myself and something that I wanted and desperately wanted. And it gave, I mean, it gave me everything. It gave me my whole world. I really look up to you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're the best. Oh, thanks. You're the best. I love you so much. You guys are awesome. Um, I just like went and looked through all your family pictures. (laughs) You guys are so cute. Uh, I appreciate your your being on. You're amazing. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me share my story and just be my very upfront, truthful self. So it's it's great to chat too with you. So. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. As everybody knows and noticed, I put Brianna's uh, Instagram handle down there. So for anybody watching, please go at her on Instagram or Facebook. She's amazing, and you get to see her cute girls and her 
amazing family. So thanks for tuning into My Destiny this week. We have a very special episode next week. I'll promote it when the time comes, but please um, be looking out for it. Everybody listening, thanks so much for your love and support. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. If you have any questions about Brianna or her story, please reach out to her as well. Until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.